I get to finish off the series of Ephesians this morning, and it's been an incredible letter, and we've, um, we've learnt a lot throughout the letter of um, Ephesians by Paul, and I'm just going to get straight into it because there's a lot. Actually, I said my message last night and it went for an hour, so I had to go through and like cut out heaps. It's not going to go for an hour, I promise. So we're going to just get straight into it. Ephesians 6 is on the armor of God. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. And uh, if you don't, it'll be on the screens. Starting from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. And pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now there's only, I've been church a long, long time, and there's only two times I can actually remember anyone speaking on this um, passage of scripture. The first one was when uh, my mum and dad were going through their ministry training at the Ministry Training Institute, and one night uh, the kids, us kids had to go along. And uh, it was a night where people were presenting their sermons and was it theologically correct, yada, yada. Anyway, and so I think Holly and I went off with our friends into another room. And at one stage, I just came back to see what was going on. And to my delight, my little brother, Jared, had, uh, was standing there all eight years old, was standing on stage covered in plastic armor with a 50-year-old woman going, wield it, wield the sword. And he's like... Speaking on, um, I loved it, Uh, speaking on the armour of God, and so that has stuck with me forever, and uh, there's photos, and uh, the other time is in kids' church, because it is such an easy worksheet to do on the armour of God, you colour it in, cut it out, you've got your lesson, and, uh, but it's not a kids' message, It is so much easier uh, to do a little worksheet than actually work this out in our lives. And so, as always, I'm going to use some of our friends from the Old Testament to tell this story. But um, before we get into that, we need to know why we need armor. Because God has told us we're in a battle. And you could simply think, well, I thought Jesus won the victory. I thought it was all done Why would we need armor? And he says we're continually in a battle. And to put a very, very long story short, um, we're in a battle because there was a beautiful archangel called Lucifer. And also, God made me sad when I was reading this. I just thought, how could you be so close to God and still fall away? And Anyway, a beautiful angel called Lucifer. And somewhere along the line, he let sin enter his heart. And uh, there's a verse in Isaiah, 
in Isaiah 14, 13, it says, you said to yourself, I'll climb to heaven. I'll set my throne over the stars of God. I'll run the assemblies of the angels that meet on the sacred mountain of Zephon. And I'll meet and I'll climb to the top of the clouds. I'll take over as king of the universe. But you didn't do it, did you? Instead of climbing up, you came down. See, Lucifer was in charge of worship. And somewhere along the line, there was a shift in his heart from being a worshiper to wanting to be worshipped. And you see in that little, two little verses there, he says, I will, five times. And something changed from he will to I will. And then he was kicked out of heaven. And that's how we get the devil. And he's never changed. He's, he's never stopped wanting power. He's never stopped wanting glory. He's never stopped wanting to be worshipped. And that's where we get our battle from. And that's why we need our armour. This morning, I'd love if you'd turn to 1 Samuel 17. It's also another story that gets put in the um, kitty basket very often. And it's David and Goliath. But I love this piece of scripture. It so clearly gives us a great image of why we need God's armor and not the world's armor. To set the scene, because it's a um, really big story, the Israelites and the Philistines are out having a battle And they're actually set on the side of a valley. The Israelites are on one side and the Philistines are on the other. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, they have just stayed there on their sides. But every morning, this this giant comes out, Goliath, and he calls out. He said, if there's someone among you who's willing to fight me, come out and fight. If you beat me, then, then we'll all be your servants. But if, you, if I beat you, then you'll be our servants. And he stood there for 40 days and mocked Israel, Israel mocked their God. He called them whatever names under the sun every morning. And then David, a shepherd boy, was sent by his father to go give groceries to his Brothers who are on the front line. And he gets there one morning when, David's, when Goliath is about to do his speech. And we pick up in verse 26. It says, David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, well, what's in it for the man who kills the Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? But who does he think he is anyway, this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God alive? They told him what everyone else was telling him at what the king would do for the man who killed the Philistine. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul. Saul sent for him. Saul is the king of Israel. And when David came before him, he said, Master, said David, don't give up hope because I am ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David and said, you can't fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting business since you were born. David said, I have been a shepherd tending to sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I would go after it, knock it down and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I would grab it by the throat, wring its neck and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. And Saul said, well, go and God help you. 
Saul then outfitted David as a soldier in armor and he put his bronze helmet on his head and he belted his sword on over, over the armor. David tried to walk but could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to it. And he took it off. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the pocket of the shepherd's pack and with a sling in his hand approached Goliath. As the Philistine paced back and forth, you can just imagine him, he's doing his speech, he's pacing back and forth, and his shield bearer in front of him, he noticed David. He took one look down on him and sneered, a mere youngster, an apple-cheeked and peach-fuzzed. Sounds like a drink. (laughs) The Philistine reader killed David. Am I a dog that you would come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine. I'll make you roadkill for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. And David answered, you come at me with a sword and spear and battle axe. But I come at you in the name of the God of the angel armies and the God of Israel's troops whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you and cut off your head to serve your body up and the bodies of the Philistine buddies to the crows and coyotes. The whole earth will know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And everybody gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of the sword or spear, but the battle belongs to God. What an incredible young man that the whole earth would know that there's an incredible God in Israel. First thing I want to pull out of this story is that check you're in the battle. Check you're in the battle. And the byline of that would be you can check by your chatter. You notice the talk that was going on on the sidelines. All the men were talking about what would happen if they killed the Philistine. All of them were chatting about it. David rocked up and they're chatting about it. And in the verses beforehand, they're saying, well, if I kill the Philistine, I'll get the king's daughter. And I will be given a house and I will be free from taxes. And they're talking about this and over and over and over. And David says, what will be done for the Philistine, for the man who kills the Philistine? But then he says, what I want to know is why is this guy allowed to curse God? There was a different talk in his chatter. He didn't, know, he didn't want to know what I will get, what I will get. He, he wanted to know what is God going to get out of this for me being obedient. And there's a difference about standing on the sidelines of the battle because your chatter is dictated by, well, I'll do this and I will do this and I will get this. And well, every time that you're asked to serve or God wants to stretch you, is it, well, I will do this or is it, What will God get out of this? Will all of the people around me know that there is an incredible God in my life? And there's a difference between sideline chatter and battle chatter. The sideline chatter is always, I will. But the battlefield is always declarations of he will. What's your chatter like? Are you concerned about the battle? Or is it all about I will? I will. You would have thought after 40 days that those Israelite men would have got a holy discontent of, all right, that is enough. You're not going to talk about my God that way. 
You are not going to mock God like that. But not one of them. It took a young boy who had his heart set upon God to stand up and go out in somewhere that he was totally unprepared for and declare that the battle is the Lord's. Check your chatter. What do you talk like? Second thing that David did, and I love this, he said, I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that. I was a bridesmaid last week and my first dress that I ordered was I got it made overseas and they sent a photo and the moment I opened it, I went, I'm not wearing that. I am not wearing that. Showed Pam and she laughed and um, there's no way I was wearing that. But we are so quick to say, I'm not wearing that in the physical. So quick to say, I'm not wearing that. And don't even give a second thought to what we're putting on. In the spiritual, in 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 39, Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and, be- and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't move in this. With all this stuff on me, I'm not used to it. We need to be intentional about what we put on. There are things that we as Christians will put on and it will make us be able to not move. It will hold us in a position where we cannot go to battle. There's things that Christians should never, never even think about putting in their spiritual wardrobe. And we need to get an attitude of, of being intentional about saying, I'm not wearing that. Unforgiveness. It does not fit a Christian. It looks terrible in the spirit. It's not part of our armor. It, it, will, it will keep us in a place where we go, oh, I can't move. Unforgiveness is not something that we can put on as Christians. We need to put on forgiveness. Why? Because it's not about, I will hold on to this hurt because they hurt me. It is, how will he be glorified if I forgive? How will I reflect my father? The only reason we're in this battle is because we were first forgiven. Our job is to reflect the father, to reflect his love. If we walk around holding unforgiveness, we won't be able to move forward in the battle. Let me ask you this. If you forgive that person who needs forgiving in your life today, does your enemy win or does the devil lose? You take spiritual ground by bringing light into dark places. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. Don't put it on in the spirit anymore. Anger. Anger just doesn't fit right with Christians. We're meant to be bringing a gospel of peace. We're not we're flying off the handle and getting cranky whenever we want to. It doesn't sit right in the spirit. It will stop us from moving forward. People won't want to talk to us because we're angry all the time. Ephesians 4 says, you can be angry, but you know what? Get over it before you go to bed. Get over it because it will give the devil a foothold in your life. So you take ground by choosing to keep your cool. When the devil wants everything in your life to spiral and take your mind and everything just go crazy, keep your cool. It's spiritual warfare. 
having an offendable spirit all the time. That does not fit Christians. We're meant to be grace-giving people. We're meant to give grace all the time. If we're walking around offended at everything that happens to us, you know what the picture that gives off? It's all about me. You're only offended when you're thinking about yourself. But we need to be not people who go, well, I will, I will, but he will. How will God be glorified if I just give grace all the time? And find your security in the fact that he loves you. Don't find your security in whether people are offending you or not. Find your security in that he loves you. Lying and cheating and self-promotion, all of this stuff looks, we need to get into the habit of going, I'm not wearing that anymore. In so many times in, in the New Testament, Paul says, take off the old men and put on the new men. It's an action word. It's something you intentionally do. This morning, I didn't go like that and all my outfit was on. I intentionally put on my clothes the same way you did. We need to intentionally take off those things of the old men, the old ways, and intentionally put on what God is telling us to put on. It doesn't just happen because I wish I was a better person. You intentionally make that choice. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24 says, Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. That means we've been, we've been taught over the last six weeks about this. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It is rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. In your conduct. We need to get to the place where we intentionally say, I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that. That does not suit what my father would have me wear. Third point is dressed for battle. David went into that battle, a fresh-faced little boy. I love how it says Goliath noticed him. It was just like a speck on the battlefield. He just noticed them. And he walked out there in nothing that any of those soldiers would have suggested he wear out there. But he walked out on what he knew God was calling him to do. And our, our clothing as Christians in the spirit will not look like the world tells us to wear. Self-promotion, get ahead, go, it's all for you. The world might tell us that, but that is not what we are to wear. In Ephesians 6, it says, put on the belt of truth. That means every angle around you. Make sure it's covered in truth. The Roman soldier's armor that Paul's describing here was a big belt and from it held leather straps that it protected their legs. Not only that, but everything, every part of their armor was connected to this belt. In other words, he's saying, make sure everything that you are putting on your body is guarded in truth. Don't put on those lies. Don't put on anything that does not conform to what God says. Make sure you are surrounded by truth. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
And this part of the armor protects your upper torso, protects the, the vital organs, the heart. And righteousness is twofold. One is that you and I, and if you haven't already, I pray that you will one day, know when you accept Jesus Christ, you become the righteousness of God. No longer does Jesus, do, are you looked upon as, as sinful or dirty or anything wrong with you. You're whole and you're the righteousness of God. But there's a, there's a second part of righteousness, and that is that you would walk right in the eyes of God. When we choose to just live whatever way we want to, it, ta- it starts leaving gaps in our armor. It leaves us open for the battle to get us. If, we, if God t- asks us to walk in a specific way and we, we compromise in that, we nearly do that, we're leaving ourselves open to the battle. We leave ourselves open to the enemy. He says, you are my righteousness. Make sure you walk forward in that, but also keep on the right path. Walk in the way that I've directed you. It says in the Bible that when we walk off into sin, he can't be there. We need to walk in the way that he directs us. If you're living in in compromise today, you're dropping off a bit of your armor. You're leaving yourself open. He says, wear the shoes of peace. Wear the shoes of peace. This is such a, a, a vast picture of what the world shows us. Paul says, you go to battle by standing in peace, by keeping your peace. Did you know you resist the devil just by resting in God? The most amazing battle plan, just chill. (laughs) Just, you're right there. He says, walk in peace. It's funny that he says that Peace are your shoes, because without them, your feet will get all cut up. You'll ruin your feet in the spirit. You, you won't be able to walk over the tough terrain that might be ahead. It will cause you not to move. Walk in peace. Keep your peace. If you naturally fly off the handle all the time, if, you, if, you're, if you're always prone to anger and offended and snapping out, you know what? Keep your peace. You might say, I can't help it. You can, because we've been given the nature of Christ when we were saved. And if you don't have self-control yourself, step into Jesus' self-control. Because we all have self-control. I I imagine if you're having a huge Barney at your house, and just flying right off the handle at your kids, at your spouse. And Pam knocked on the door. I bet you you'd stop. <laughs> we got self-control. It's whether you choose to use it. Walk in peace. Keep your peace. If you can't keep it in that situation, walk away and go, give me peace, God. Give me peace, God. And come back. Okay? Walk in peace. It resists the devil. The devil loves when you lose it. It gives off a terrible witness that God's not in control. But when you stand in your peace, those around you will look around and go, how did they stay like that through that situation? I knew God was in control. I knew that he was faithful. 
the shield of faith. These are the things that we're told to take up and put on. The shield of faith. This shield actually was not like one of those little round ones. It was huge. Uh, actually, some of them were about three and a half foot tall and some moved to three foot wide as well. They were a big shield in which they stood behind and it curved in. It says, use this shield to fight off the fiery darts of the enemy. I love that this is faith because as we talked a few weeks ago about the fiery darts, are all those thoughts just keep coming in. All those horrible, depressive, doubt-filled thoughts that just come from nowhere and you think, where did that thought come from? We're told to put our faith up for that. When, thing, when thoughts come in and say, well, that didn't work out. Is your God really faithful? I put my, I put my shield up to that. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the things that we hope for and the substance of that we cannot see. It's on the screen. Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. You use that shield of faith when things are going completely opposite to what you believed was going to happen and you stand there firm and go, I know that God will bring me through. I know that God will bring me through. And when the thoughts come and say, well, you prayed for healing, that didn't happen. I have assurance of the things I cannot see. I know that your child is wayward. I have assurance of the things that I cannot see, that that which I hope for will happen because God is faithful. That's where you use your shield of faith. And when they come in the fiery darts the thoughts the words people you just put your shield up and go God is faithful God is faithful he says put on the helmet of salvation what does that mean think saved think saved you're saved think like it don't walk around thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Or, I don't know. I don't, I will I think safe? You know what your job is to do with your life? To, to reflect the Father. Reflect the Father in all the... It doesn't matter whether you're at uni. It doesn't matter whether you're a stay-at-home mom. Think saved. I am, I am raising up a generation of, of young people who love the Lord if you're a parent. If you're, if you're working in a shop, a retail, I am going to reflect the Lord in always. I'm not going to be bothered when people come in. I'm going to walk up. I'm going to shine the light. I'm going to think saved. Over and over and over, we have heard in this series of renew your mind. Renew your mind. Change the way you think. And this is where that chatter comes in. Think, not I will, but he will. Not I will, but he will. I am going to think about not what's in it for me. Get rid of that old thinking. What's in it for God? How will he be glorified? If you're not thinking about and you're not conscious of, of, of people coming to know Jesus, you need to change your thinking. If your mind is filled with how we're going to just the money and school and, and all these things, you need to bring those thoughts to God and go, God, I know all this is important, but please make people coming to Jesus the most important. Think saved. The sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. I sound like a broken record, record up here when I talk about the Word of God. But you cannot use what you don't know you have. If this is just something 
that maybe you pop in your car to bring on Sundays. You won't know how to use it during the week. Here's a great place to encourage each other in the word and remind each other. But hearing a sermon a week or going to a Bible study a week isn't enough. You need to know this for yourself because there's going to be battles that you're going to have to pull out your sword on your own. And when lies come in, you're going to need to know the truth to fight back. It says that the word of God is like a double-edged sword. It will cut this way and that way. It will never fail you, but you need to know what it is. You need to know what he says about you. How do you use what you don't know you have? Read your Bible. And if you don't like it, come on, let's be real. Some people don't like reading the Bible. Pray about it. Say, God, let me fall in love with your word. Let me enjoy reading your word. Get me into the habit of being a reader and intentionally put it on. Say, I'm going to wear that. I'm going to wear that. The last thing Paul says is pray always. Always be talking to your father. Prayer is just the conversation between your father and you. Pray always. Pray always. Don't walk about just thinking, I know the path. Always check in. Is this the way? Is this the way? Father, help me here. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to keep my peace here. Father, help me to keep my arms getting sore from keeping up this faith. Will you strengthen me? Continue to talk. Continue to pray. And he says, pray for all the believers. We need to stand by each other. That we would keep the faith. We need to pray for each other. This is what we need to wear as Christians. That we would know the truth, that it would wrap around us, that we would live righteously. Keep your peace, think saved, keep the faith, know the word and pray always. This is how we take ground. This is how we take ground. And the whole vision this year is be the church. Do you know the, the whole idea of being the church is putting on the armor of God and taking the ground that the enemy claimed as his and giving it back to the kingdom of God. And we cannot move when we are dressed in the world's clothes. We will be just like David who says, I can't move. I can't even get think, past thinking about myself. I can't even get past that unforgiveness. That person hurt me. Or I, We need to intentionally put on what God is telling us that will take us further and take more ground for the kingdom. You, know, you, you might be sitting there today thinking, I'm not in a battle. Honestly, I go to work, I come home, I, I, I'm not in a battle. But can I tell you today that we are all spirit beings. We're in a physical body, but there is a very real spiritual, spiritual realm. And whether you see it or not, the devil will be trying to take ground off you. And that is why the word says, stand. All you need to do is stand. God will fight your battle for you if you just stand. And that, that position that you're in where you think, I'm in a very insignificant battle. I'm in nothing really. I'm not a church leader. I don't run anything. I'm not mentoring. I'm not really doing much. You're in a battle and whether it seems insignificant every morning, get up and intentionally speak out what you're going to put on. 
Because when David went to Saul to say, I can fight this giant, he didn't go, hey, I've been a giant slayer for a few years. Give us a go. He walked up and said, I'm a shepherd. I've killed a, I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion and now surely God will deliver this giant to me. And you need those small insignificant battles that you're in to stand firm. So one day you can look back on that victory and go, well, he got me through that. And he got me through that and he got me through that and he is surely going to get me through this. That we would stand firm. That we would stand firm. You need to change your intentionality about this. Anything off the old floor isn't good to put on. Anything just laying around isn't good enough for us to put on. We've been given royal armour, which we intentionally put on. Amen. Um, I'm going to stop there. If the band would come, I love that um, you chose this song, We Will Not Be Shaken, this morning. Because so often little things shake us. Little things shake us. Could be the most insignificant things. The car's not registered. Really, it's not. That's shaken me a bit this week. <laughs> we got one car. Anyway, shook me a little. But we need to learn how to keep our peace, that we wouldn't be shaken, that the things of this world wouldn't be what drive us or push us or dictate our decisions and how we live. We need to change from, well, I will, and I want to get this, and I want to do that, to God, what is your will? Because I'll just stand in that and you fight the battle. I want to be counted as a soldier of the Lord. I don't want to stand on the sidelines and just chatter about how great life could be if I just did this. I want to be on the battlefield, scared as all anything, but knowing that God is going to fight my battle for me. David had no idea whether it would take one stone or five or whether he would have to scramble around for 10 more. He just knew that God would come through. And we need, we need that mindset that we just know God's going to come through. We just know. So as we sing this today, I pray that you would get a new insight and make a decision in your heart. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm taking off the old man and I'm putting on the new. I'm putting on the new. Amen.